The New Testament book of Revelation is full of rich symbolism that certainly grabs our attention, but even among followers of Jesus can sometimes unsettle us or even confuse us, make us feel fearful. Images of dragons and beasts, descriptions of conflict and war, and there's things that we hear about, uh, marks of the beast and the like, that really upset and disturb us. And sometimes we can find ourselves led into wondering, oh, is this that? Or is that that? Perhaps this news story about a company offering a microchip that has all your money on it is the mark of the beast, or this vaccination that this pharmaceutical company has offered is the mark of the beast, or this political figure is the antichrist that we've been warned about. And before we know it, we're seeing boogeymen everywhere. And that's not what Revelation is meant to do. Because while Revelation does tell us the story of the Bible, differently. It's still the same story. Those beasts and those wars and those marks and those conflicts, they are all consistent with what Jesus had himself preached and taught, what his apostles had been preaching and teaching and writing in their letters, what the story of the whole of Scripture have always been. So when in Revelation chapter 13 we're treated to a fascinating picture of the dragon identified for us in Revelation chapter 12 as the serpent, as Satan, who desiring to not just make war on the woman through whom God brought the Savior into the world, but on all those who hold the testimony, that dragon goes and he stands on the sand of the sea to call for reinforcement. And in Revelation chapter 13, beginning with verse 1, And I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads with ten diadems on its horns and blasphemous names on its heads. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like a bear's and its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And to it the dragon gave his power and his throne and great authority. One of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed. And the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? And who can fight against it? And the beast was given a mouth, uttering haughty and blasphemous words. And it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. And it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation. And all who dwell on earth will worship everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear.
If anyone is to be taken captive, to captivity he goes. If anyone is to be slain with the sword, with the sword must he be slain. Here's a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose mortal wound was healed. It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people. And by the signs that it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on earth telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. Also, it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark, that is, the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. This is one of the more familiar and arguably more unsettling passages in the book of Revelation. And if there's something where folks are going to be scouring the headlines or quoting on YouTube that is causing followers of Jesus to be disturbed or unsettled, there's fairly good odds it might come from this very passage. Yet, if we step back and remember, who was Jesus originally revealing this to? followers of his in the first century. Why did he reveal it to them? To bless them. What were they facing that made that blessing so pertinent? They were facing persecution, tribulation. Just read Revelation 2 and 3, and you see great instances of what different churches were going through. As there were people professing to be among them, to be followers of Jesus, yet were leading them astray into all sorts of immortality. There were people professing to serve God, even as they persecuted them. There were people that were losing their livelihoods, that were being imprisoned, that were losing their lives because of their faith in Jesus. Well, Revelation 13 is just giving us another depiction of that same dynamic where we see this first beast arrive and it's using its authority to convince people that it is the be-all and end-all of human life, that if you want to be safe, that if you want to be secure, that if you want to have a good life, you need to do what it says or else. That if you don't do what it says, you'll die. And then you have the other beast, the beast that looks in some ways like a lamb, but its voice is the dragon's voice. And it's causing people to worship the first beast. It's causing people to be convinced that they actually need to receive his mark, that they need to do things his way. Now, at this point, in some videos that you might watch on this topic, 
people might begin to point to things from contemporary culture to say, that's the mark of the beast, or that's the mark of the beast. At this point, others might take more of a historical perspective, might give arguments for why that 666, that number of a man, humanity being created on the sixth day, being something that if you take the numbers and convert them to letters, it spells out Nero. So it was having this to do with the Roman emperors or that to do with the Roman emperors. But if we step back and just look at the big picture, the big picture of the book of Revelation as it unfolds, the big picture of the story of Scripture, recognize in this that as the devil rages, having already been defeated by Jesus, but wanting to keep as many people from being saved as possible, he has allies. He has governments that convince people to worship them instead of God, to yield to what they say, to do what they compel or else. And then there's religions that come alongside those governments, that enhance their powers, that convince people to go along, that seem like they're doing something good, that look on the surface okay, but in reality are speaking what the dragon once said and not what the lamb once said. And what the dragon wants is for people to wear the beast's mark. And the mark of the beast isn't some birthmark on the back of a child that indicates the Antichrist as some horror movie you saw might suggest. The mark of the beast is something that anyone receives. And in the big picture of Revelation, it stands in contrast with those who received in their foreheads the name that the Lamb gives back in Revelation chapter 7. You see, that's the story of Revelation. We're going to have one of two marks. We've either been marked as being those who are in the Lamb's book of life, or we'll wear the mark of the beast. We'll go along with this world and all of its evil. We'll have it be our highest authority. We'll let others deceive us and mislead us and go along with it. For John's first century hearers, that very much would have been descriptive of the pressures they felt under Rome. At different points throughout history, we can see how that was the case. Times where church and state became intermingled, when the Catholic Church became a sort of empire and crusades and inquisitions were undertaken, and there's times in our modern world. In some states where we see that blending of government and religion to force people to live in a way that's contrary to the way of life that the Lamb has given, or perhaps even in our own country, when we see government and religion banding together to promote things that are contrary to what Jesus teaches. We can see in history, we can see in our lives today, these forces, these dynamics at play. And the takeaway for us is not to point to any single mark of the beast, but to hear the warning, the call for endurance, that as we live life each day, we're going to receive one mark or the other. We're either going to live our lives for the Lamb, or we're going to live our lives by the power of the beast. We're going to live our lives with the side that has already lost, and as we'll see in Revelation chapter 14, is bound for destruction. How will we see things? What will we choose? Which mark do we wear? I, for one, want to make sure each day of my life, my focus, 
is on standing with the Lamb.